no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, no power of seated. Leave as any seats on the aisle that you can. The course of American history was suddenly changed. On September 11th, 2001, the course of American history was suddenly changed. We remember the chaos and the confusion, the destruction and the heartbreak, the shock of 3,000 lives lost in a single day. But we also remember the great resolve of everyday people, the acts of heroism that brought us together stood in the gap, somehow still fighting, giving every ounce of strength to help others. Decades have passed since that historic day, and in that time, we have learned that despite all the suffering and loss, our God remains faithful. Even when smoke and debris obscure our paths, his unfailing love will carry us through. As we remember those who were lost, let us honor their memory with our lives, giving our own strength to help the hurting, making sacrifices for those around us, and sharing the faith which brings eternal hope and peace. This is our promise and our prayer for 9-11. I saw this this week and wanted to share it with you. The year the World Trade Center was built was 1970. The number of companies housed in the World Trade Center, 430 number that worked in the World Trade Center on an average day prior to 9-11, 50,000 people. Average number of daily visitors, 140,000. 
number killed in the attack on New York and the Twin Towers in aircraft and aircraft that crashed into them, 2,823. Distance in miles from which the burning towers were visible, 20 miles. Maximum heat of the fire in degrees at World Trade Center, 2,300 degrees Fahrenheit. Number of days the underground fires continued to burn, 69 days. Number of days that workers dug up debris searching for bodies, 230. Number of victims identified by New York Medical Examiner, 1,102. <clears throat> Number of death certificates issued without a body at the request of victims' families, 1,616. Number of people still classified as missing from the World Trade Center that day, 105. Number of people who died when American Airlines Flight 11 from Boston, Massachusetts to LA, California crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center, 92. Number of people who died when the United Airlines Flight 175 from Boston, Massachusetts to Los Angeles, crashed into the South Tower, 65. Number of people who died when United Airlines Flight 93 from Newark, New Jersey to San Francisco crashed in rural Southwest Pennsylvania, 45. Number of people who died when American Airlines Flight 77 from Washington to Los Angeles crashed into the Pentagon, 64. Number of people killed in the Pentagon, 125. Number of survivors rescued from ground zero, absolutely zero, no rescue, in spite of the fact that firefighters, paramedics, and police rushed in at their own peril. No one was saved. Number of orphans created by the 9-11 attacks, 1,300. Number of babies born to women whose husbands were lost on 9-11, 17. Number of days after 9-11 that Pat Flounders, a widow of the attacks, committed suicide, 91 days. Increase in PTSD among Manhattan people, post 9-11, 200%. Estimated minimum number of New Yorkers suffering from PTSD because of 9-11, 400 22,000 people. Estimated cost of the U.S. based solely on property losses and insurance costs, $21 billion. Number of jobs estimated to be lost in the United States as a result of the attacks, uh, $1.8 million. Pat and I were in Pleasant Grove, California when the attacks took place. I remember coming down Stairs. We were in a bed and breakfast, and there traditionally no TVs in a bed and breakfast, and there wasn't here. And so I came downstairs to the lobby to get some coffee, and uh, there was a little bitty portable TV someone had set up, and several of the guests, probably eight or nine of the guests, were sitting around. And I thought, that's weird. What are they doing? And I thought they were at first watching some kind of a cataclysmic type movie portrayal of some disaster. That's what I thought it was. Until it dawned on me. Those were thousands of people's lives being eternally affected. Tens of thousands of people's lives. Millions of people's lives if you take in all of the United States. 
we called our kids. It was by the grace of God that we had driven there and not flown there. So we had our vehicle and we got on the freeways, which were absolutely empty. It was the most, it was the strangest thing. The skies were absolutely empty, no airplanes, no cars hardly on the freeway. And we came home. But so many people didn't come back. And for them, we have the service and we honor them. So would you bow your heads with me? Our Heavenly Father, we can't imagine the grief and the agony, the loss suffered by so many people because of 9-11. God, I pray that you would give them comfort and peace, those that are still alive on this day, which no doubt brings to their mind the horrors of 2001. God, we pray that you would be the one who protects us from enemies, foreign and domestic. That God, we know you're not pleased by terrorists and acts of terrorism. So Lord, we ask for your watch care over us. We can't protect against everything, but you can. So God, watch over us. Watch over our nation. If it's your perfect will, give us a revival. Stir the hearts of every man and woman and young person. And God, help us to return to walking with you again if we've gone astray. God bless America. We know you have. We pray that you would continue to until you come back again, at least. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you're a visitor, I know we have several guests from out of town. My apologies for, uh, well, I'm not apologizing, but it's a, it's a, for those who lived during that, it's still a pretty uh, traumatic thing. Uh, these connection cards are in the seat back in front of you. Please <clears throat> um, fill that out for us. We would appreciate it. And then there's a, a box where our members put their tithes and offerings in next to the back two doors. Uh, and if you, as a guest, would put this in, give us your name and such, we'd appreciate it. And if you have a prayer request, we're going to be praying for Lori for Wednesday morning, having surgery. Uh, and if you have a prayer request or if you have a question about the church, anything you want to know about how do you become a member uh, or question about being baptized or whatever it is that you might have. We've got a new member class coming up. You, need, you could use this to sign up for that. Uh, so whatever it is, any kind of dialogue you need to have, go ahead and fill it out, put it in that offering box, and we'll have a record of your visit. We appreciate it. Military meal today will be on the patio. So if you're an active military, you are invited to come and get some free food. All right? There is a free lunch, Lucy. Absolutely. Check our bulletin for Bible studies, other Bible studies held this week. Next Sunday, Ryan Bailey with the Navigator's Ministry, our Navigator Missionary, is going to be preaching uh, and uh, give a report on Navigator Ministry. It's a, it's a happening thing. We're so delighted that several of the military guys and gals are here right now because of Navigator Ministry, so we appreciate that. Uh, Ryan will be preaching. Pray for Pat and I. We're going, to be, um, we're going to be flying back. I was going to be driving back to Missouri, and Tuesday morning I woke up about 3 in the morning, and I thought, are you an idiot or what? <laughs> or maybe that was Pat. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which it was. But So we're flying now Tuesday, and uh, we'll, we're going. I get to preach a, a, a national meeting in Missouri, and I'm excited about that. And then we're going to my wife's high school reunion 
She has forbidden me to say which high school reunion it is. She says, people do the math. So uh, not saying, just going to do that. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks vacation. We've actually not been on vacation since before COVID. Um, uh, we've taken a few days here and there, but we haven't gone anywhere. So we're looking forward to it. So uh, Ryan will be preaching. And then uh, Terry Miller the next week after that again. Yeah. And then after that, a missionary in Tijuana named Elmo Compton. Really, his name is Elmo. It really is. And uh, he's, he's pastoring a great church uh, south of us uh, called Central Shalom. Uh, and he will come and share on that particular. And then Lord willing, we'll be back the next week. So we'll be gone a while. We're going to miss you a lot. Um, new member class, October 23rd. Sign up with your connection cards or tell Julie. And I think that's all the announcements. So let's go ahead and stand as we worship the Lord for a couple more songs. Hello, there we go. Okay, just kidding. We're starting over. Okay, here we go.
the shadows, here I will offer my praise. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. You're good and you're kind, and you care for this heart. Lord, I believe you weep with me. Turn my lament into a love song. And from this lament, make an anthem. Turn my lament into a love song. And from this lament, raise up an anthem. Oh, yet I will praise you.
Thank you, praise team. An amazing group of people up here that lead us in worship every Sunday. And you know what? The songs they sing go along with the message. That's not by accident. They work that out. Shira tells them, and they sing it, and thank God for them. And thank God for the guys in the sound booth and the gals in the sound booth that help make sure you're able to hear what's being sung and what's being said down here. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And if you're looking for a ministry, uh, Nick would love to have you apply. He, it's, he's a real taskmaster, but uh, it's a rewarding job up there. It doesn't pay very well. has a great retirement plan. So, uh, yeah. All right. So we got seats for everybody, Gary, or are we out? We're out? Okay. So any seat, we've got some choice. These are the high-dollar seats right up here. So, yeah. Yeah. We got two right here, two over there, two over there. So there's some more down here. All right, little bo boys and girls, not little, but boys and girls, come on down here. <clears throat> come on down. This is just before you go to Sunday school class, I get an opportunity to talk with these young ladies and young men about something that I think is important. And this is something that goes along with what I'm going to be preaching about today, which is remembering 9-11 and a theme that comes and issues forth from the whole idea of 9-11 happening. So boys and girls, hey, hey guys, listen, you know what? I get to do something that is so super fun a couple of times a week. And you know what it is? No, it's ride with the police officers in the patrol car. 
I get to do that in that black and white car and ride right. And every once in a while, they turn their red and blue lights on, and it's exciting, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and and I'm, I'm enjoying it. No, a little aside to the adults here. When they were interviewing me to be a, possibly be a chaplain for the police department, uh, they asked a whole bunch of questions. The last one the captain asked me was, have you ever gone on a ride along before? And I thought for a minute. I said, do you mean in the front seat? <laughs> I have a vivid memory of riding in the back seat and for a very uncomfortable 35 or 40 minutes sometime in my high school years. But anyhow, now I get to sit in the front seat. So boys and girls, uh, one of the officers the other day, one of the policemen told me the other day that, that when he was in a different part of the state working as a, as a policeman, that there were some people gathered there and one of the men told his boy, a little boy, younger than you guys, younger than you, he said, call the, preach, the, the policeman this name, and he, it was a bad name. And so the little boy didn't know any better, so the little boy called the policeman a really bad name. And you know what? That was the daddy's fault. That wasn't the little boy's fault. He didn't know what he was doing. I'm glad to say that in Coronado, for the most part, it's been my experience uh, that people are very respectful and appreciative of uh, the police. And God tells us to do that. Can I read a verse to you all? Is it okay to read a verse? Yes. Is that okay with everybody? Is it okay with you? Okay, here, I'm going to do it now. In, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Those policemen even, and policewomen, even if they don't know it, they were put there by God. God made it possible for them to have that job. So anyone who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. So always, always, always obey the policemen and the firefighters. They are here to protect us. They're here to serve us. So remember that. And when you see them, and if I'm in the car with you, and if I'm in the front seat, go ahead and wave. If I'm in the back seat, act like you don't know me, okay? All right, let's pray, boys and girls. Father, we thank you so much for these young ladies and young men. And we pray, God, that our parents would teach them to respect the authorities, all authorities, uh, even with those whom, with whom we disagree. And we pray, Father, that you would forgive us our sins and bless, bless them in the classes today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said... Amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes right over here. No middle school this week, but there will be middle school again next Sunday, the Lord willing. Some will remember the World War II slogan, remember what? Huh? You remember what you're supposed to remember? Pearl Harbor, right? That, that was the slogan. In other generations, it was remember the Maine. How many have heard of that one? Or uh, remember the Alamo. How many of you remember that? If you're from Texas, you, you were taught that before you could even talk and walk. You were taught about remember the Alamo. Can we even begin? I, I, as I looked at these images, by the way, Julie, thank you for that. It was, uh, it was very respectful, very well done, and it wasn't too uh, disturbing. Uh, it, it, you know what I mean? There's some of the videos that are very disturbing and didn't want to trigger anybody, didn't want anybody to have any problems. But... Uh, can we can we begin to imagine the amount of suffering uh, that goes on and has gone on and will continue to go on for so many people? I've, I've said two, three times this week to people, you don't get over 
loss, you get through it with the help of the Lord. So if you've lost someone you've loved, a child, a parent, a brother or sister or a great friend, you don't just all of a sudden wake up one day and say, I, I don't think about that anymore. I don't, it's neither one way or the other anymore. You get through it. You get through it with the help of Almighty God. So how dare we forget? Suffering, and this is the message that is emanating from the whole idea of 9-11 that I think God gave to me today, and that is uh, that suffering is a part of life, unhappily. Suffering is a part of life. There's no one here who hasn't suffered, no one here who won't continue to suffer at some point in time. Job said it this way in Job chapter 14, verse 1, uh, man, human beings that are born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. As the sparks fly upward, uh, just as, as you're grinding something, sparks are flying up, it's a sure thing's going to happen. So suffering is going to happen to every single one of us. There'll be suffering in our homes. There'll be suffering in the hospitals. There'll be suffering in the jails. There'll be suffering in the streets. Suffering even in church a lot of times. Suffering at work or on the news. Everywhere people go, uh, there's suffering. It plagues the rich. It plagues the poor. Uh, you have your Steve Jobs, who is a multi-whatever, million or billionaire, whatever. I don't even know the difference between the two in actuality. And it, and it doesn't matter <laughs> that I do know the difference. But um, you know what? Uh, he, it couldn't give him health. It couldn't prevent him from suffering. It, it affects the black, the white, the brown, the yellow, the tan, the great, and the unknown. Hey, suffering even affected Jesus Christ. He probably endured more suffering than anyone else, any other person who has ever lived. More than likely, that's the case in dying for our sins. So Paul gives us some insights. And these songs, again, specifically chosen by Shira to, to talk about uh, what to do in times of great suffering. And, and the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, if you want to follow along, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7, the Apostle Paul is writing. The Apostle Paul, you will remember, uh, was converted in a very dramatic fashion. He was on his road to Damascus. He had letters of, of intent to arrest Christians. He was going to persecute them, arrest them. Uh, and so on his way, suddenly a bright light shone out of heaven, so it blinded him. Uh, there was a voice from heaven, and he could discern the words and what was being said. The other people traveling with him couldn't discern the words, but they heard noise. And so God didn't permit them to understand what was being said. And God had a little conversation with him. Why are you persecuting me? And, and, the Lord, and Paul was wanting to know, how is it that I'm persecuting you? And it, it's revealed that this voice is coming from the Lord, uh, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, post-resurrection. So Paul then became the, the greatest man in the New Testament next to Christ. Paul became the author of most of the books of the New Testament. Paul became, uh, I mean, he's responsible for the gospel going west uh, and coming to us. And, and we owe him we owe him so much. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he says, I have received wonderful revelations from God. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like God to be able to unfold in, in, 
either some kind of a miraculous image or, or soundtrack or maybe even in your dreams? Would you like God to unfold the reasons for everything that's going on or reveal the future? Or, you know, you say, well, which horse is going to win now? I don't think God's into that. But, I mean, wouldn't it be great to be able to, to have special revelations from God? And, and Paul said, I've received wonderful revelations from God. But there's a but here. And the but is, but to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in the flesh. A messenger from Satan, whoa, to torment me and keep me from getting proud. He said three times, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away, that thorn in the flesh. Each time he said, my gracious favor is all you need or my grace is sufficient, depending on which translation you're reading. My power works best in your weakness. And then he responds, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. That's not something we normally do, boast about our weaknesses, I, I, but I'm doing that so that the power of Christ, he says, may work through me since I know it is all for Christ's good. I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults. Do you like people to insult you? And with hardships, do you like hardship? And persecutions, No, none of us like persecution. And calamities, we don't like those. For when I am weak, Paul in his infinite wisdom given by God, says, then I am strong. So Paul had this thorn in the flesh. Now, people have speculated about what that thorn in the flesh was. They've, they've speculated for years. Martin Luther thought that this thorn in the flesh was persecution. And he was persecuted above any other one person in the Bible that I know of other than Jesus Christ himself. And in the another part of, I think it's, I can't remember if it's first or second Corinthians, but he lists some of the things that happened to him. I mean, he was stoned and left for dead. Uh, he, was, he was taken many things, he was imprisoned. All kinds of things happened. John Calvin thought uh, it was some kind of spiritual temptation that he had to endure all the time. Some uh, believed that he had epilepsy and he would be preaching and he would uh, have a, a seizure and not be able to continue. And uh, others thought it was some kind of eye trouble based on Galatians 4 and Galatians 6. Maybe it was because of what happened on the road to Damascus, maybe some kind of a permanent thing, like Jacob had a permanent limp as a result of, of wrestling with God before he took the land of Canaan. Still others think maybe it was malaria, insomnia, even depression. Charles Spurgeon battled constantly depression, deep, dark depression. So, you know, you who have battles with depression... Uh, I don't envy you. That's got to be a, a terrible weight and a terrible pressure. Uh, we, we don't even know what the thorn was, and maybe that's good. Because whatever thorn you and I may have, maybe we think, maybe that's what Paul went through. We do know the following. First of all, there's mystery and suffering. Why did Paul have to experience this? Why in the world did he have to suffer? Well, Matthew 5, 45, Jesus said these words, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. The other day when we had this incredible uh, climactic drama of 17 tenths of an inch of rain or whatever... <laughs> Does it, does it amaze you? You, you, 
if you come from, the other day, I called my friend in Texas. They had 10 inches of rain in one day. And he said, oh, it's been raining every day since then, too. We had 10 inches in one day. We get 17 tenths, and the weather people lathered up, and they spit all over themselves. They're so excited. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I noticed about that? It fell on the just and the unjust. It got everybody's car dirty, even mine. It, all, it falls on all of us, the, the rain does, on the just and the unjust. So good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And we need to remember that. When bad things happen, it doesn't mean those uh, 2,800 and some people who died and 9-11 were, were awful sinners, especially bad sinners. doesn't mean that. It, it, there were some probably great Christians in, uh, that died in, in that tragedy. And, and no doubt there were some people who were not great Christians who died in that tragedy. But those things happened to all of us. But here was the reason. God revealed uh, not only special revelations, he revealed the reason to the Apostle Paul of why you have that thorn in the flesh. And that was to keep him from being puffed up. And when you look into the Greek dictionary of the words that actually found there, you find it's to be elevated or conceited. In other words, the thorn in the flesh was to prevent him from being prideful. How bad is pride? It's one of the deadly sins, one of the seven deadly sins. Proverbs said, there are six things the Lord hates, no seven things he detests. And the very first one, you remember what it says? Haughty eyes, haughty eyes, and then a lying tongue and hands that kill the innocent. Isn't that amazing? The, the, the haughty eyes comes before, I don't know, it's just in the order that's found in the Bible, comes before hands that kill the innocent. Now, if you're going to be pride or kill me, prideful or kill me, I'd rather you be prideful. That's my own personal take on the situation, but... I mean, I'm just telling you, it's here first. And then a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness supports out lies, a person who sows discord amongst brothers. So, so we are going to have suffering. Why do we suffer? Maybe God wants to deliver us from the same trap. Maybe he's trying to prevent us from getting prideful. Do you know that we cannot, cannot get up in the morning without the grace of God? Do you know we can't take a breath in and then exhale without the grace of God? Do you know there's so many things going on in our systems, our, our physical systems that have to happen without even us thinking about it in order for us to stay alive? The heart pumps, we know that. But all these sphincter muscles all along our arterial system, they have to be working and they have to be open. And I'm going back to the Midwest where everything, and then Texas, where everything is fried. <laughs> everything is fried. I look at a menu. I hear arteries slamming shut, just looking, <laughs> reading the menu. Everything has to work. Every organ, every system. And God sees to it that it does. So, so what are we so proud about? We are lumps of clay. Now, I'll tell you what, we're creating the image of God. So that shouldn't make us prideful. That ought to make us thankful in the image of Almighty God. That's an honor. What a great thing. That places us above the animal creation in the world. We are created in the image of Almighty God. So maybe he wants to deliver us from that same trap. If it's not, deliver us from pride. 
God has a reason. Secondly, we know this, there's agony in suffering. I've read the book of Job a number of times. Perhaps, I, I, I think I've read the book of Job every year since 1974. My goal every year, we're coming to January before you know it here, uh, my goal every year is to read through the entire Bible in one year. And I think I've read through uh, however many years that is from, from 1974 until right now, the book of Job. Such incredible heartbreak and heartache and misery. I, I don't even know. I mean, if we read it, we kind of skim through it or whatever. Do you know, first of all, he lost all of his wealth. I hear people in the flooding say on TV, and rightly so, at least we're alive. No, stuff can be replaced, but we're alive. Thank God for that. But he not only lost his wealth, he lost every one of his children, 10 children. I've counseled and, and sat with and wept with people who've lost one child. I can't imagine losing <clears throat> one child, <clears throat> let alone 10. And then he lost his wife's belief and faith and integrity in him. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? You know what? I've been in ministry 50 years, and Lord willing, I'll be in ministry of some kind until I turn my toes up. <clears throat> but this lady right down here is my best cheerleader in the whole world. And if all of you turn against me and she's for me, you're outnumbered. <laughs> I, love, I love her. I love her support and her loyalty and, and, and all of that. So, so his wife, Job's wife, turned. Uh, she'd lost 10 children. She'd lost all of her wealth as well. He lost his influence in the city. He used to sit in the gates, remember? And, and he finds himself on an ash heap. And, and, and at first, he didn't lose <clears throat> his physical health, but, but eventually, he even lost his physical health. And he found himself on an ash heap trying to get relief from open sores all over his body, lost everything. And, and three friends come, and they sit down beside him. Now, the, the friends come, and that's a good thing. If you've ever been through grief, just having someone there. And sometimes they talk about, I went to this seminar the other day and, and, and for chaplains, and it talked about uh, the ministry of presence. Ministry of presence. Sometimes there's nothing that can be said. Sometimes nothing can take away, but just being there is important. So this, these three friends come, and, and they're there, and they're there for seven days, and they don't say a blooming word. They just stare at them. Now, how would you like that? I'm saying, it's nice ministry of presence, but wait a minute. Seven days? Just staring at me? Not saying, hi, how are you? Can I get you a glass of water? What's going on? You can't even scratch without everybody looking at what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? He lost everything he could lose except for his life. The extent of suffering was complete, was comprehensible, reduced to a shell of his former self. And Paul's thorn wasn't what Job went through, but Paul's thorn was described as a messenger from heaven, a tormentor, someone who, who um, what's the word I'm looking for, who, when they do bad things to people and
what do you do to them when you, <laughs> we don't do that stuff, but I'm, I'm just talking about, uh, I can't think of the word, dog, huh? but, huh? Torture. Thank you, see. <laughs> he, he talks about this thorn in the flesh, torturing from a torturer or someone who's there to inflict as much pain as possibly. As possible, and this this word torment in the Greek is means to strike with a fist. In the King James, I think it says buffet, to strike with a fist. So you got this thorn in the flesh. You're you're beating him. You're tormenting him. That's what Satan was doing to him. And I've always thought of a, a thorn in the flesh. Have you ever? Obviously, you've gotten a thorn, right? Yeah, you get a rose bush thorn. You can pull it out. But sometimes you get those little bitty things that you can't see them. Maybe sometimes from cactus or something like that. And, and you know it's there, and, and, and if you touch it just the wrong way, it, ah, ooh. So I've always thought of the thorn in the flesh. But do you know what it actually means? It's from the Greek word skopos, which means uh, a stake, a pointed stake. It, it, was, it was physically intimidating and vicious. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was the effect of, of divine God allowing Satan's antagonism so that he wouldn't be over much exalted, so that he would not be prideful. And it also signified, to buffet, it means to hit with a fist, also signified recurring action and a constant repeated attack. It just wouldn't let up. People who are in chronic pain, just it won't let up. It just keeps on keeping on. And people can get hopeless. Lightfoot interpreted as a stake driven through the flesh. Talking about the acuteness of the suffering and its effects. So, so the effect... So what would that do to you? What would that do to me? To, to have this kind of a stake, this kind of a thorn, not a little bitty thing, but a, a, a wooden stake driven through us, what kind of an effect would it have on us? I hate to think about that. If I get a cold, I'm pitiful. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just like, oh, Pat, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm just a little sick. A stake driven through me? Paul begged God to take it away. Here's this man who was incredibly used by God. He begs God, take it away from me. Uh, and three times he did so. And three times God's answer is, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. And so here's Paul's response. And I already read it once. Most gladly, therefore, will I suffer. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, rather, in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So you know what? If that's what it takes to have power with God, let me suffer. What is our response to suffering? Do we moan, groan, complain, cry? Oh God, why me? Why not us? We're sinners. Why not us? Thirdly, there's victory in suffering. This is so against our nature, so entirely against our nature. Therefore, I take pleasure in reproaches and infirmities. It means I approve of those. 
That's what Paul was saying. He came to the point where he said, I approve of having this thorn in the flesh. I approve of reproaches, hurt and harm. I approve of necessities, which is distress. I approve of persecutions. I approve of the narrowness of, uh, it, it, it has the implication of the narrowness. He's being compressed. How many of you have been to Vietnam? Okay. Have you gone to, have you gone to any of the tunnels? Anybody, anybody done that? I did. And so these tunnels that the Viet Cong would, would hide out in, they, they would build them partially as a trap for American soldiers. And in some places, the, they would dig a pit underneath the tunnel where the tunnel is, and they would put those pointed stakes up, the thorns in the, we talk about a thorn in the flesh. They would put those, and, and you, you had to be careful lest you fall in that. But the other thing that was really that really freaked me out that I did not expect, and, and it, it felt like it went down quite a bit. I don't know how far it went down, but I had a, a guy in front of me and a guy behind me, so I don't have any problem with claustrophobia, I thought. <laughs> but what happened was the tunnel kept getting smaller as you went further. And the purpose was a lot of Americans were fatter than the Vietnamese. And so you would get down there and you could get stuck. I felt the sides closing in. Guy in front of me, barely moving, guy behind me. Guy in front of me says, I can't go any further. I said, yes, you can. <laughs> and you will, or I will go over the top of you. I'm getting out of here. That's what Paul felt like he was compressed about. Everything, all these problems closing in around him. And I know people in this room have felt that way before. He said, I will gladly go through that pressing together, that feeling of uncomfortableness for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You say, preacher, I can't do it. I can't can do what Job did. Can't do what Paul did. None of us can. In fact, they couldn't either, except for God's help. In another place, to another church, Paul wrote in, this, in his letter to Rome, he wrote these words, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us? They sang about it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, that, that pressuring, that, that pressuring in, that narrowing, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Your strength is not your strength. Your strength is his strength. He's the one who makes things possible. He's the one who takes you through those times of distress. And Paul kind of punctuated it all with this. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, and those are angelic beings, good and bad, demonic beings, uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the test of faith. Are you ready? Do I take pleasure in suffering? Too many times I failed that test. The test of faith. Do we take pleasure in suffering if we know it's for the Lord and for his glory? Here's the rest of faith. Is his grace all we need that his power might rest upon us? I think sometimes God puts me in uncomfortable situations just so I'll turn to him. Say, what do I do? What do I do? History is filled with those greatly used at the high cost of suffering and death. Fox's Book of Martyrs is an incredible read of people who literally gave everything. And Jesus Christ is, of course, the supreme example because he endured such awful suffering that it's impossible to completely and adequately define the suffering he went through. There's a mystery in suffering. There's agony in suffering. But praise the Lord, there's also victory in suffering. And he will give you that victory. Would you bow your head, please? Would you be really transparent with me just for a moment? Really transparent. Be honest with me. I, I'm, you have my word. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. How many of you with an uplifted hand would say, you know what, preacher? I'm going through some suffering. Yeah. All over. All over. You're not alone. Thank you. You put your hands down. Do you know that God is there for you? God has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Do you know him? Do you really, really know him? Or do you know about him? There's a difference. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never received him into your life and your heart, you can do that today. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, you can pray this prayer to, to the Lord. You don't have to say it to, out loud, don't have to say it to me. You say it to God because he's listening for you. Dear Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lift this heavy burden of guilt and shame. Become my personal savior, not just a savior I know about, but a savior with whom I'm related by birth, by the new birth. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, help me through whatever it is I'm going through and whatever it is I shall go through. I trust you completely right now with every head bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, something very much like it, would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up for just a moment. God bless you and you and you. 
you. God bless you. Folks, several folks. Our Father, I'm so grateful, so thankful that you brought this congregation together for such a day as this. We have so much for which to be thankful, Lord, not the least of which is one day the curse will be gone, the curse will be lifted, death will be no more, all the suffering and all the pain and all the agony and all that will be overwhelmed by victory, the victory that you give us to be able to be in your presence forevermore. Father, bless these who've put their faith and trust in you. Bless these who are going through battles and pressures and difficulties, Lord. Take them through it. Show them that you're way more than adequate for any problems that any of us have. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? And I'm going to say to those of you that raised your hands that you received Christ as your personal Savior, on the table by the sound booth, which is right in the corner, right there, there's a little short table. There's some blue plastic bags with um, with um, booklets in there and kind of like, what's my next step? What do I do next? And just grab one of those bags, take it with you. There's a Bible there and some other literature. We'd be glad for you to have it. So let's sing a verse or two of anything. Here's what we do. Anybody here ever seen a Billy Graham crusade? Huh? Anybody ever seen a Billy Graham? Yeah, everybody here just about. At the end, they give an opportunity for people to come and receive Christ or people to come and ask for prayer or people to come present themselves as uh, whatever God may be laying on their hearts. So I know it's tight. I know it's warm in here, but we're going to have them sing a verse or two. So you come right now. If God's leading you, I'll meet you right down here. My wife's down here for the ladies. I'll be here for the guys. Fitz is back in the very back for the guys also. Fitz, maybe come over in the aisle if you can. And uh, yeah, is is there a lady back there who could counsel with someone back in the back? I can't see I can only see about halfway back. If you want to sleep, it's good to sit in the rows behind about halfway because I can't see back there really well. Just kidding. Let's go ahead and sing. Come ahead right now. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust.
the app. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a couple of more minutes. We're almost ready to dismiss. If you raise your hand for salvation or receiving or praying that prayer, please stop and get the blue plastic bag at the table there. Also on the table uh, are some proposed bylaws. There are a few things in our bylaws that need to be updated because of current situations. And um, one of them is California Corporation's uh, need to have trustees, and we don't have anything in our present bylaws that designates trustees, so that's one of the changes, but there's some things um, in addition that are kind of updating that are necessary for social pressures that are going on right now. So feel free to grab uh, one of those, read it through. We'll vote on them uh, when I get back, October the 9th, Lord willing. If you have any questions, um, yeah, shoot me an email, and wherever I am, I'll try to give you the answer uh, from that particular place. We have Jerry Machen going to introduce someone who we just met this morning that we're excited about. Good morning. Um, I'm Jerry. If you weren't here last week, um, Jerry Machen. I'm running for the two-year trustee seat at the um, Coronado School Board. And I'd like to introduce Lisa Meglioli. I'm going for the two-year seat. She's going for the four-year seat. And it's a wide open field, but we just wanted to introduce you. She's my new friend, and um, we agree on a lot of things. She's a concerned mom, too. So here you go. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for inviting me to introduce myself. My name is Lisa Meglioli. I'm a parent of five children, the youngest being 11 and the oldest being 21. I became very concerned these past few years of what is happening in schools. Back in March, I went to a presentation at my church about community involvement. I truly felt a calling and decided to run for school board. My main priority is refocus in academics, leave politics out of classrooms. I don't have any political aspiration or agenda, but I'm just a worried, I'm just a worried mother and I'm worried what they're trying to teach our children in school that has nothing to do with academics. I strongly believe in family values, and I believe that all our children deserve a happy, safe, and healthy learning environment. Now more than ever, it's up to us parents and grandparents that we need to come together and speak. I want to be that voice for you. Thank you again for your time. I look forward to meeting you. God bless you, and have a great Sunday. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I think maybe there might be some yard signs out front. So, hey, feel free to grab those. I saw some posted around town from when uh, Jerry was here before and, and uh, Mr. Youngblood. I can't remember his first name. What's Mr. Scott. Scott. Everybody said it at once. It was <laughs> All right, let's stand. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer, and I would like to ask uh, Bobby, would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer right now? And thank you so much for being in God's house. Do pray for us. Um, we will be renting a car and driving probably a couple of thousand miles instead of like five or six. <laughs> so that's better. Let's pray. For this time we've had this morning just to sing praises to you, to worship you to listen to your word through our pastor, Jim. And we, we pray, Father, that as we take heed to what we've heard, that your word will truly work in our hearts. They will be followers of you and your son.
that we would love as your son loved. That we would have patience as your son had patience. That we have peace that you give us and understanding that you give us. We pray that you would go with us as we go today. We pray that you would go with Pat and Jim as they travel. Be with them. Keep them safe and bring them safely back to us again. We thank you for all these blessings you give us and thank you all that you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord.